Today is Friday, February 9th. This is season two, episode six of Mind Body Evolution. Hi, Josh. Hi, Eric. Uh, I was thinking today of um, getting a little bit away from the philosophical, mystical side of things that we've been uh, traveling for a while and, you know, gender speculation and all that, and getting more towards the direct um, discussion of, discussing of uh, evolutionary health. And uh, I wanted I to talk, like that idea. Yeah, I wanted to talk about sugar because uh, it's right at the center of evolutionary health and who we are as as a strange kind of animal and uh, how we interact with the world. It's also very interesting because when we were growing up, you and I, the great evil was fat. Yes, but no, now it's, it's, the great evil is clearly is sugar. Sugar. It's 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 clearly sugar. The great evil was fat because we didn't want to get fat. <laughs> uh, but sugar is more like money. And everyone wants money, but money is the root of all evil. And it's because of the desire. And the desire is built in. Uh, and, and money is a pale comparison to the desires related to sugar. Mo- money is just feeding into our symbolic understanding of what we want. Did we ever encounter sugar when we came out of the trees onto the Serengeti? Oh, before then. I mean, before then. Sugar, sugar is everything for everyone. Sugar is the, is the thing that cells use to make, make energy. It is, is, it is the, the, the number one molecule that everyone wants. If you're a bacterium, if you're, if you're a protist, if you're an amoeba, everyone wants sugar. Uh, you know, I, I, I knew people who were working with aquaculture. And um, when, you, when you first start a, uh, a, a, a project, uh, you need your filter to uh, actually have um, things living in it so you can start uh, denitrification processes. Mm. And so they wrote this great uh, uh, paper saying, just add sugar. Uh, because just add sugar to water, you you have an aquaculture setup, and you have to let it sit there and um, reach equilibrium for weeks at a time, or mm. you can just dump a pound of sugar in there, and boom, <laughs> everything is all Everything's set. Everything's like what? Yeah, everyone loves sugar, and so this this is right from the very begin beginning. Every everything is 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 motivated to get sugar. Uh, you know, I, I, I think I mentioned this um, uh, when we were talking about dopamine, but there's, there's, you know, we only have five flavors and two of them attract us, the savory and the sugary. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. so uh, the, the, that sugary attractiveness is, is built in really, really uh, from the beginning. There's only a few things that can cross the brain blood barrier and glucose is one of those things. Mm-hmm. Must, must be able to, cannot mm-hmm, be, mm-hmm. Your, your brain only has really, you know, seconds worth of fuel without sugar going into mm. it. You'll, you'll die in under a minute if, if the sugar isn't coming in at a really steady state. So we're very, very concerned about keeping it. And, and more than most other creatures, this is why I was saying that it, everything loves sugar, but we are evolved to have a different relationship with it than most other creatures because of our giant brains. Because our brains are very, very hungry. Very hungry all the time. We're like a furnace and we just have to keep feeding them all the time. Uh, no other animal has a brain like ours and needs to feed it in the same way. Even the cetaceans, they're, they're very large brains, larger than ours, but compared to their body mass, it's, it's, it's nowhere in our league. Uh, you know, ours is, you know, comparatively like four times larger uh, than a whale's by, by body mass. Hmm. So our, our brains are taking in a tremendous amounts of energy. Um, and we've also been focused on sugar since the very beginning. We, 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 as primates, uh, fruit was important on our diet. And so uh, digesting sugars uh, were, was something that was really important to us and was closely related to all the rewards we would see. So we would see a, a red color and dopamine would be released tell us to go get that sugar and then we would eat the sugar. 
Um, sugar and dopamine together are some strange, strange things. This is not really well understood by anyone uh, and because you can't give dopamine th to things directly, but I did it. Uh, with my with my with my shrimp, and I I can't even talk about it in 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 a, in a meaningful sense because I got the opposite reactions than anything I'd ever done. I, dopamine is inhibitory in crayfish. Uh, glutamate, the other flavor that also goes through a brain blood barrier, tells you to run after things. Glucose also tells you to run after things like glutamate, just as I would expect. But you combine it with dopamine, dopamine glutamate inhibition dopamine glu glucose more excited than before you started. Hmm. Can't fit it into my model, can't fit it into anybody's model. Hmm. Strange stuff. Uh, so there's, there's an interaction directly between uh, dopamine and glucose. Glucose uh, causes endogenous dopamine to be released, but if you combine it with exogenous dopamine, you get all sorts of strange reactions. It, it might actually explain some of the uh, stranger studies done on hyperactivity. Um, hyperactivity is uh, understood as a low dopamine condition. Every parent in the world knows that if you feed sugar to your child, you have a hyper child. No study has found this. Over and over again, you feed sugar to a class of, um, uh, of, of, of toddlers or, or kindergartners, uh, and there's no measurable increase in activity by you know, people who don't know if they've been given sugar or not. Uh, so there's, 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 no, um, there's no easy way to see what everyone knows is true in any way that can be measured. Um, How could that be possible? I don't know. Some of, some of it is the sugar companies like to sponsor uh, studies that don't come up with good conclusions. You have a small study size. Oh, well, okay, it, if you're gonna say it's funded by Domino, okay. A lot of stuff gets funded by Pepsi and Coke. Um, so anyway. Uh, <laughs> what good is that? Okay, so, so we've moved past that and we still do studies and they still don't, don't show any hyperactivity related to sugar. However, when you start thinking about it as a dopamine-sugar interaction, there might be special effects that affect particularly ADHD kids more. When you have a dopamine issue, there, there might be effects of sugar that relate differently. I don't know the answer to this. No one knows the answer to this, but I think there's a- And we, very, haven't, we haven't specifically studied this? I mean- Not really. You'd think we would want to. Well, it's not easy to. We've definitely studied dopamine and sugar and dopamine on its own and drugs with dopamine, but you can't get dopamine and sugar into a rat easily on its own just as like a, you know, here, have this dopamine food. You mean we're you not have to give them cocaine. You mean we're not gonna study directly on children? And we can't, yeah, we can't, it's not easy to study directly on children, but what, what, what we do is you feed sugar directly to a rat and you can see activity signs, but those activity signs go down quickly. And I saw the same thing in my crayfish. You give sugar to a crayfish and activity goes down over time, mm -hmm. uh, probably because of something along like insulin. Mm -hmm. um, but don't give insulin to a crayfish. I tried that. It turns out to be uh, the equivalent of testosterone for a crayfish. It turns them into males. Um, and it gives you even more confusing answers. So the whole the whole thing is is weird. Okay, so stepping back again. Yeah, okay. Yeah, stepping back to, to the beginning of us being primates. We really like fruit. We're very attracted to this. There's rewards associated with it. There's dopamine associated with it. So we're very attracted to seeking sugar, as is every other living creature. Everyone wants the, the glucose to, to, to feed their metabolism. Uh, when we start moving out into the Serengeti and we leave the fruit trees in the jungle behind, uh, we become more um, dependent upon starchy uh, uh, sources of food. So instead of um, directly glucose and fructose, 
in in sweet fruit. Uh, it's tubers and it's things that have uh, sugars all linked together into these long, long molecules called starch. And we need enzymes to break those down. Uh, and so uh, we start producing more copies of these enzymes that break down starch. Uh, these copies are maybe two in a chimpanzee. If you look at the few people who have stayed in rainforests for most of their evolutionary history, um, so, you know, the last, say, 60, 70,000 years, uh, they have maybe four or five copies of am am amylase, the, uh, the enzyme that breaks uh, starch, uh, uh, amylose starch into, into individual sugar units that mm -hmm. you can digest. Mm -hmm. uh, so humans, even the ones living in the rainforest, have more copies of it. The Hadza, the um, hunter-gatherers of uh, uh, South Africa, uh, have six or eight copies. So even even if you're not a farmer, you have more copies of amylase than a than a chimpanzee does. And farmers have uh, anywhere from you know eight to fourteen copies. So the more copies of a gene you have, the more you can make that particular enzyme, and so the faster you break down the sugar. Mm. So our entire evolutionary uh, history since we became bipeds has been dedicated to getting sugar out of starch faster. And when you get sugar out of starch quickly, your blood sugar goes up for obvious mm -hmm. reasons. You have, you have sugar in your blood. And so we were very, very uh, uh, dedicated to that. Uh, at the same time, we are having a hard time getting enough calories. Uh, we've, we've got these large brains. We've become bipeds. Um, we're not very large-brained at this point, uh, but there's not a lot of food out of the Serengeti. We're, we're going around digging up roots uh, and, and chewing on roots all day. So we've, we've, we've emphasized efficiency. We became bipeds because it was an efficient way to get somewhere, not a fast way, but very efficient. So we're doing the same thing with our metabolism. We're slowing down our metabolism. Rather than speed and strength, we're em emphasizing taking all that sugar and storing it as well as we possibly can. So we change all of that starch into sugar that we can absorb as quickly as we possibly can. We even do it in our mouth before we swallow. So we're breaking down starches in our mouth. They'll taste sweet. If you have a, you know, a cracker in your mouth for long enough, it'll start to taste sweet. That's the amylase in your saliva, breaking it down. You swallow it, even more gets broken down. You're absorbing every bit of that starch you possibly can. And it's because we were sort of the, uh, the poor relations of, of the chimpanzees. We didn't have the nice sugary fruits. We had to get everything out of really hard to digest items and we had to get every little bit of it. And when we get that sugar, we store it right away. So what happens is blood sugar goes up and you respond with insulin. Insulin does a couple of things. Uh, the nice thing insulin does is it um, helps put sugar into your muscles. So you'll feel a, a, a little bit uh, stronger uh, because you've got a little bit of um, get a little jolt. Um, at the same time, it's going to be uh, uh, sending uh, sugar to your liver where it gets stored as glycogen. So insulin tells that sugar to become part of this gigantic molecule. It, it's weird. It looks like a spider web of sugar molecules. Um, the, the world of, 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 of you know, liquid physics is weird. Mm. Uh, and it doesn't matter the size of a molecule. It all has the same osmotic pressure. And so if you want to... Um, you know, raise the osmotic pressure, you could say add more salt. You want to lower it, you take less salt. But if you took all of that salt and put it into one molecule, it would only count as one molecule, no matter what, how big it is. So the same thing with sugar. We take all of that sugar and we pack it into a single molecule of, say, 50,000 glucose molecules in one, uh, uh, one glycogen molecule. 
and that gets stored in the, in the liver, and that's our, our temporary energy supplies. And so insulin causes the sugar that we extract every little bit of from our food to get stored. We literally store it in a nugget in our livers. Yeah, yeah, lots of little like nuggets. A, lots of little nuggets all throughout our liver. Right, and if it was stored as sugar directly, we would explode because uh, there would be so many molecules in there that our liver would have all of the water in our body being sucked in. But by turning them into many fewer molecules, by packing them together, we can, we can maintain balance between the liver and the rest of our body. Uh, it's, it's super important to do this. This is where all of your, 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 your temporary energy is going to be coming from. So these, these molecules can be quickly released. So if you, if you need energy, uh, you have the other side of the equation is glucagon. Glucagon is the uh, hormone that then tells the, um, the, the glycogen to release that sugar into your bloodstream. So when, when um, your blood sugar goes low, glucagon is released and you release the sugar. When your uh, blood sugar is high, insulin is released and you store it as, as glycogen. But insulin itself is actually an anabolic steroid. It is uh, related to the other anabolic steroids, uh, you know, progesterone, testosterone, human growth hormone, all of those anabolic steroids. Uh, and what it does, in addition to signaling, let's store the sugar, is it says make fat. And so it takes fat, uh, takes sugar out of, your, out of your blood system and turns it into fat. And different parts of your body respond to hormones differently, uh, particularly uh, the kinds of fat in your body. So you have uh, subcutaneous fat that is lying just under your skin, uh, and then you have visceral fat that li lines your organs and tends to be what we call belly fat. Uh, belly fat responds more strongly to hormones than uh, do other kinds of fat. So you preferentially send this extra sugar to your belly. And so the more so sugar- men do. No, everyone does. Everyone does. Okay. Uh, oh yeah, no. <laughs> uh, yeah, evolution is very sexist. Um, and uh, makes things harder on women. Uh, it, it, women have a, a, a higher total fat content uh, and have a body that's going to be emphasizing storing fat more extremely even than men. Uh, we, 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 are, we are pushing the envelope for storing fat among the animal kingdom, but women surpass us mm -hmm. in, in the ability to store fat mm -hmm. it, it, because you, you're, you're not fertile if you don't have fat. Mm -hmm. And the reason you're not fertile is we have these giant brains. Again, it's all about feeding these giant brains a constant supply of glu glucose. Mm -hmm. it, even, it, yeah, even a minute without sugar and, and, and you're dead. Uh, it, 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 it really happens very, very quickly. Um, and, you know, halfway to that minute, it's going to be very difficult to eat, for example, as you're passing out. So you only really have a few seconds. <laughs> oh my God. Um, so uh, your, 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 your insulin levels are controlling your, your uh, blood sugar, but so is uh, uh, glucagon uh, controlling blood sugar. And between the two of them, they're uh, releasing it mostly from the liver. But once, once you run out of uh, glycogen in your liver, when you run out of those, those temporary supplies, you only have maybe four to six hours of that. Then you can actually start burning fat again. And the fat will actually be released again, preferentially from the visceral fat. So uh, it's, it's, you know, like first hired, first fired. It's, it's the fat that gets stored first is the first that comes out. And so this is most, why- Most accessible. It's the most accessible. And so this is why some people uh, like the idea of, um, a what you know what they call the paleo diet or uh, uh, low carbohydrate diets. A low carbohydrate diet is designed to lower your blood sugar and start uh, removing it from your liver, uh, and uh, and that way you can then start burning fat. And this will work if you if you 
uh, do this, you will start burning fat, but you'll also start burning muscle, mm-hmm. and it can be really bad for you metabolically. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can go into acidosis, acidosis ketosis. Um, these things can cause various kinds of metabolic issues. I know issues. somebody who was on it for a long time and started losing their hair. It can also uh, radically increase your, um, uh, what they call bad cholesterol. We'll have a whole other thing on cholesterol. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I don't really believe in just a good and a bad form, but let's just for... For now, we'll, we'll say the, you know, the low-density lipoproteins, uh, it will increase those uh, and your total triglycerides. So you could That sounds bad from the little I understand. Exactly. That's yeah. bad. So you can end up with high blood pressure and yeah. clogged arteries and, you know, arteriosclerosis um, due to something that is burning fat successfully. That part really but, does but, work. But again, what you're saying is that the whole of our evolution has brought us to a point now where all we want to do is eat sugary things and sit there and stir them up as fat, sit on the sofa and be happy. You got it. Yes. No, that is that is everything that we are designed to do. We we, we, we should not exercise and we should eat as much sugar as possible. <laughs> Evolution does not care about your health. It just wants you to produce big brain babies that produce more big brain babies. That's all, and all it wants you, you to do. And then you can die yeah, at, as long at, as like, they're on their way to make As long as they're on their way and maybe a few women make it to 50 to lead the group. Um, that's what evolution really wants. <laughs> it's not on our side. It's not on our side. If they make it to 50, they've been through menopause. They're not doing the baby thing anymore. And now they're leading the group and it's, you know, inclusive fitness for everyone. But, uh, you know, as, 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 uh, men and women or the, the evolution basically, yes, wants us to get as fat as possible and spend all of our time being fat and making babies. It <laughs> uh, doesn't care about doing any, any other activities. Um, so if, if you are on a, a paleo diet, you can reduce your, uh, your glycogen um, stores and start burning fat, which will work. But as I we just talked about, is, is not necessarily great for your health. But there's other ways to do it. This is why I talked about uh, intermittent fasting. Uh, intermittent mm-hmm, fasting mm-hmm. can do the same thing, uh, but is working with evolution. We are designed... I mean, you, you talked about ketosis. Intermittent fasting puts you into ketosis, which before it, you said was a dangerous situation. What it okay? So intermittent fasting does it for a very brief amount of time. Yes, uh, it's 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 hours of a day. Correct. You are well evolved to withstand that. It is not over weeks or months of time, like ah. like a like a steady paleo diet where you're trying to avoid. That's when it becomes any kind dangerous. Of yeah, okay. because you're doing it all the time. We are well designed to stop eating for a while. Uh, a day, even two days, where, where our, our body responds well. And we start doing things that are actually good for us. Uh, for example, we become more susceptible to the effects of insulin. Uh, now, you'd be like, well, I don't, I don't want insulin to make me fat because insulin is the thing that does store fat. But um, susceptibility to insulin is really, really important. The opposite of susceptibility to insulin is type 2 diabetes. Mm-hmm. Is when you lose the, your body's response to insulin, what happens? If, uh, if your blood sugar goes up, and you don't uh, start taking that sugar away by making it into glycogen, you then have high circulating insulin and high circulating blood sugar. This is going to cause um, any 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 uh, sugar your body can find to be turned into fat because that insulin is a so anabolic steroid. It's insulin sensitivity means your body's awareness that there is insulin in your body and you should be signaled to stop eating sugar. You'll, you'll, yes, you'll immediately feel full and you'll take any sugar you have and you'll deal with it in the liver. You'll turn it into glycogen, it'll store it away. And a low insulin sensitivity is, you're, even though the insulin is there, I'm not being told to stop eating. You're not being told to stop eating and the insulin is telling you to turn everything into fat. So you'll become fatter more quickly. 
And preferentially, that fat will start being made in the liver. And when you start turning your liver into fat, you don't have as much of a liver with which to process things anymore. Mm. And the only thing your liver can do with that unprocessed sugar is to turn more of it into fat. And you start converting your entire liver into a big blob of fat that can't do any processing anymore. And this is the heart of metabolic disease because you get into a feedback loop where you're responding less and less to the insulin, your blood sugar is going higher and higher, and you're destroying particularly your liver uh, by gaining more and more weight just in your liver, but putting on, putting on the fat so it's no longer a functional organ. It makes me, makes me physically uncomfortable to hear you talk about it. Yes. Well, these are these are these are scary things. And um, yeah, I was just looking at the obesity rates in the United States, and I kept on having a problem with numbers because it kept saying a third of people are overweight. And then I'd look at another number, and, and I, I suddenly realized that they were separating out overweight and obese. Overweight is a third. Obese is forty percent. <gasps> really? Yes. So the combined number uh, as of far people as I can who tell, are overweight or is 70 obese? freaking percent. Wait, so I'm sorry, where does overweight start? Uh, BMI of 25. All right. So I technically am overweight. Um, oh, but that doesn't make any sense. Well, I, I, I exercise. I have you know, muscle is denser than fat. That's why flat, fat floats on water and, and muscle does not. Um, fat is less dense. And so uh, if you just look at it, sort of average muscle density and, you know, average muscles, uh, yeah, uh, 25 is overweight. And it's also culturally dependent. So um, BMI is, uh, is relatively an arbitrary, not, as you say, making sense number, but it's one something that you can use over a large population. For, but for individuals, it doesn't make much sense. So, for example, in Indonesia, overweight BMI is 23 I don't know if I've been 23 my entire life. <laughs> I would have counted it as an overweight in Indonesian at any point in my life. <laughs> so, so these things are culturally determined. And, you know, as we know. Well, as I mean, as health is too. And the, the, the diet is culturally determined. The yes. way your body reacts to the diet is culturally determined. We're, and- not, we're not genetically different enough for there to be, in my opinion standards that should be that different between cultures. That is something where we're just arbitrarily deciding we like it that way. Um, mm. uh, and I, 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 well, I, But on the average, if I go walking down the street in Indonesia, most of the people that I see are way skinnier than the people that I see here. Like that's, and I don't yes. know if that's a preference or the way that they are and the so what food that they eat. They did and- is they measured their average healthy population and said, oh yeah, BMI 23. We measured our average pe- uh, healthy population and came up BMI 25. Um, but it was entirely arbitrary. We're all humans. It probably should be lower than 25. Okay. (laughs) Yeah. Um, but you know, what would happen if we did this again and and looked at healthy people and started off with a new average? We we might be at a 28 BMI is overweight now, but Mm. I, the, the, the 25 is useful, even though I don't like it for myself. I think mine's probably more like a 26 and I don't feel overweight. Um, it's useful because you can put it into a model. If your weight is going up when the doctor is looking at, you know, year on year, mm-hmm. you have a BMI of 25 or above and you have high cholesterol, they can put that into a model. And my doctor told me I had a 10% chance of dying in the next 10 years. I don't think he's right, but on average, someone with my numbers would. Uh, and this is and this is where my doctor would tell me that, that, that 
that personal risk is not the same as a not population level relative exactly. risk. Exactly. So BMI only really makes sense for, for population levels. But nonetheless, personal risk is still there. Absolutely. And the medications that he then recommended in the next sentence to you actually make a difference on the personal level. Exactly. So he, he then recommended things that would control the cholesterol. Yes. And so I knew that the BMI didn't matter, but that having a high cholesterol might be something I would want to address anyway, regardless of what my BMI was. Because there's many, many correlations of cholesterol with clogged arteries, and I don't want that. Mm -hmm. And this is something that happens to basically all of us as we get older. Mm -hmm. But there's all sorts of variation with, you know, BMI and cholesterol and, and blood pressure, etc. You know, normally, as your artery gets clogged, you need to put more blood through that artery so your blood pressure goes up. Mm -hmm. So I have high cholesterol, but my blood pressure is fine. So I, I don't think that I'm actually in that situation mm -hmm. yet. Um, certainly, that would have gone into the equation. If my blood pressure was higher, it would have been, you know, much, much worse. Uh, so anyway, there's, there's, there's direct relationships between all of these uh, metabolic issues, uh, from, from blood pressure to, uh, uh tr circulating triglycerides, all of these things are directly related to sugar. As you, uh, eat sugar, uh, the only, it, it is the top priority for your body to control. So one, keeping blood sugar high enough to keep your brain alive, but keeping it low enough because sugar itself is dangerous. Sugar itself is a poison. And if you're, if the sugar goes too high, it, it's, it's, uh, the sugar itself will start poisoning you, uh, and can poison your brain. So it needs to be kept within a very tight, tight range. And so our body is always working to keep it within that range. So if you're eating something, let's say a bag of potato chips, uh, you then have to start thinking about what else is in that food and what they talk about as the glycemic index and the glycemic load. Mm -hmm. Um, Potato chips are particularly insidious. They are pre-cooked, they are thin, uh, and so even though there's some cell membranes with maybe a little bit of um, uh, cellulose in there, they're mostly pure starch, and the potato starch is actually one long string of glucose. When you eat that, you have so many enzymes that release that glucose that your blood glucose will go up faster than if you just eaten a spoon of sucrose. Sucrose is a disaccharide. It is made up of glucose and fructose together. So when you eat a spoonful of sucrose, you have to break that into two different pieces and then you can digest the glucose. The fructose will keep circulating for a while. We'll talk about that in a moment. So you actually get sugar out of potato chips faster than you do out of literally just a spoon of sugar. A potato chip is essentially a bomb. Yeah, so you're looking at a, at a bowl of sugar when you look at a bowl of potato it chips. It just goes in your body and now, go, boom. Yeah, and I, I love potato chips, but I've been programmed to because my brain gets a really nice response from those potato chips. Mm -hmm. It gets that blood sugar spike very quickly, gives me a nice release of dopamine, said, you did good. You got, you, you, whatever you did, keep, keep doing it. Keep eating them, don't stop. Just keep piling those in there because you are getting calories so fast. But what else is happening when the, when, the, when the blood sugar goes up? So I'm getting a huge spike of, of blood sugar. That's your glycemic index, how quickly that blood sugar goes up. That's giving you more of a, more of a, a dopamine response. You get more of the addiction uh, relationship. Uh, and it's going to tend to um, cause a peak and crash situation. But there's also the glycemic load. That's how long the, 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 how much actual sugar there is total. 
So how long it's going to circulate within you. And so um, potato chips are going to very, have a very high glycemic load because it's almost all uh, uh, glucose. Uh, juxtapose it with something, say, watermelon. Watermelon would have a very high glycemic index. It's sweet, boom, you get a quick uh, sugar high, but it's only well, seconds long because there's very little actual sugar in mm -hmm. watermelon. You could mm -hmm. eat an entire watermelon and it would eat like two potato chips. Right. You get, you get, you eat a whole piece of watermelon very quickly. And yeah, and it's and you it's, get all the sugar all at once, and, and then it's just gone. and it's just gone, and it would be like eating a nibble of potato chip. Mm -hmm. uh, and and you know your body would never let you do that. You, you can't eat just one. Uh, you know the, the, that, those addictive addictive behaviors you just kick in very very quickly because of that that um, um, dopamine spike. So anyway, when you get this insulin spike and then that you keep on getting more and more sugar in you, your insulin remains high for a while. Um, and you're trying to lower that blood sugar, but you keep putting more in because you've got a whole bunch of potato chips in your stomach. When this is happening, you, you also have all the other things from the potato chips, particularly the triglycerides. So you now have a whole bunch of fat in your body. Uh, this fat cannot be removed from your body until your body's taken care of the glucose. And so the triglycerides keep going round and round and round and clogging things. Uh, when blood sugar is high... So you're, you're saying that the, 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 the triglycerides literally circulate through the bloodstream and get caught on things in the bloodstream and clog things up physically. Physically, yes, yes. And so we tend to think of this as, as cholesterol. But cholesterol is actually something that's made to move fat around. And so good cholesterol takes fat out of your blood system and takes it to your liver to be processed. But if insulin is high, your body doesn't want to do that. Your liver is busy. Anything that goes to your liver is going to cause even more of a problem. So, so, so your, your body says, don't take fat out of your, uh, to your liver. Take fat from your liver. Keep, get as much away from your liver as possible so that your liver can handle all the glucose. So you end up with, as, as your insulin goes up, you actually increase your triglycerides, let alone what's coming from the, from the potato chips. Even if there was no fat in the you're, potato you're chips. You're actually increasing your triglycerides internally. Internally, even without eating fat. Just the sugar is gonna increase the fat flowing around so your body. So your bloodstream is being flooded with triglycerides and increasing the bad cholesterol because the bad cholesterol is removing fat from your liver and taking it to your body. And that bad cholesterol, um, a low density lipoprotein is structurally a lower density protein, lipoprotein. So mm. lipo is the fat side, protein is the, the, the molecule that gives it information. Low right? density, you mean it's literally like spread out it's like puffier. a snowflake. It's, it's spread yeah. out like a, like a snowflake, exactly. Yeah. So, the, so the lipo part, the fat, sticks onto your triglycerides. So fats stick on fats. So it's like it a- Literally like it physically pokes it in goes and, blop, and it and sticks to it. Yeah, so the fatty part sticks to the fats. And then the protein tells it where to go. But the low density ones are big and puffy. And now they're stuck onto a big triglyceride. And as they move around, they run into things just with turbulence in your blood system. And they end up sticking stuff to the walls of your arteries. Where they're not supposed to have where gone. Where they're not supposed to have gone. And they're sitting there stuck to it. And they've got big but, prongs but this, of protein sticking out of them. But in this case, this happens because the liver is not accepting them. It's not accepting and it because it has to be they're going round and round. Right. In a normal situation, when there wasn't glucose being dealt with, they would be accepted into the liver. They wouldn't spend as much time. So there would be a, less li a lower likelihood of them getting caught in places they should not get caught. If you had just eaten a bowl of broccoli instead of potato chips, okay, you would have some carbohydrates, 
which would then be turned somewhat into glucose. You, you would have a tiny response of insulin, very low fat in there. So you're because you're, you literally need to work harder to convert what's in there. Right. So you're, you're you would very quickly. First, you would get rid of the sugar that's in, in, in the plant matter, in the carbohydrates, and you would mm. absorb that as quickly as possible. Any fats would take longer to digest. So by the time the fats got into you, you pretty much would have dealt with all of that sugar. Those fats would be taken quickly to your liver by the good cholesterol. Your good cholesterol would go up mm. because it would be removing any fats it found because it wants to store those. It would grab those in your blood system and take those to your liver. And so it's 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 how quickly the sugar gets into you uh, and the, the size of the spike and then how long it circulates uh, that cause all of the other problems. The glycemic index is how quickly the sugar gets into you. The glycemic load is how much you're putting in total. over time. To yeah, in total. And, and so uh, both of those things are bad and they're both bad on their own, but they're really bad together. And <laughs> potato chips are the worst together. They're really bad on their own, but any sugar combined with fat makes the fat much, much worse. So I distinctly remember in the years that we were working out regularly and we would go do Kung Fu and then we would go have a steak and a potato. And you're like, this is the worst thing we can do to ourselves. Yeah, absolutely. Because, because you're saying because of the starch of the potato, which is immediately, uh, immediately uh, accessible as glucose. And then the fat of the meat, which does exactly what you're talking about, raising our triglycerides. Yeah, there's some real dark magic when it comes to insulin and exercise, though. Uh, there are weightlifters who will specifically fast and then eat a starchy meal to increase their insulin. Just before. And then work out. It doesn't just give you energy for the working out. That insulin is an anabolic steroid. You will increase muscle mass, but with fat preferentially. And so this is how sumo wrestlers get so huge, is they're specifically basically hacking their own body's response to increasing an insulin spike to cause anabolic steroids to be produced. That's amazing. Yeah. And it does work, but it will preferentially go towards fat right. as well as building. There's, there's, there's a cost. There's a cost. Yeah, exactly. There's a cost. But it will build muscle as well. Uh, and, and so, you know, if you, if you work out enough, you can kind of balance things. I would not want to go up against a sumo wrestler. No, exactly. They're, they, it real, they're real. That, oh, that's not a fake thing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. And they're huge. Yes. And, and, and they, they've done this by adjusting their own anabolic steroids internally. That's phenomenal. Uh, by, by, by working with, um, with the insulin and it'll happen even faster if you're sleeping. So if you've gotten an insulin spike and you go to sleep, you will preferentially turn that into visceral fat. Uh, and so you'll get fatter faster while you're sleeping than if you're you're exercising because obviously you'll be burning some of it. Well, this this speaks more and more to 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 metformin, that drug that. Uh, yeah, well, indeed, that that uh, that keeping keeping insulin low is 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 a good way of not building fat and removing visceral fat and and yeah yeah and oh met we were talking about the metformin also increases the oxidative metabolism of fat in the liver, so it increases the rate at which fat is processed in the liver. And so it, it slows down the, the progression of fatty liver disease. Now, mm -hmm. if you already had type 2 diabetes, I would wonder about, okay, so type 2 diabetes would definitely be treatable with metformin. But if you had a swollen liver due to fatty liver disease, I don't know what would happen next. Well, I don't know that they'd be recommending it. I don't think case. they would, right? Because <laughs> it, it, would, it, would, it would be very difficult to process 
fat that way in your liver if you already had a damaged liver. Yeah. But it, but it probably would improve liver health overall. I mean, but this is fascinating because this is literally this is this is body hacking, and this yeah. one is this one is you know metformin sounds like a relatively gentle body hack compared to what you were saying about Ozempic. Yeah, I, like, I, I, yeah, I, I, I looked at I looked at the numbers for metformin, and it, and it seems as though. Um, if anything, it's better than the placebos in terms of, you know, out of out of 100,000 people, um, more people will have the side effects that they sometimes attribute to metformin who didn't take the metformin than who did. <laughs> so anyway, yeah. so I, yeah, uh, the Ozempic is, is, is much more dangerous. Ozempic seems crazy to me. It's much more popular. It's much more popular. It, it, for it, off-label use. It, it, it binds directly to the, um, uh, the uh, glucagon-like peptide receptor. So uh, you know, again, glucagon is the thing that um, actually is uh, uh, releasing blood sugar from from the liver, and if you if you block that, I guess you're 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 um, controlling your blood sugar and increasing your insulin in some way that uh, helps you. They didn't they were, they were not actually predicting that Ozempic was going to do anything beneficial. It was a it was a sort of happy accident. You would not predict it by looking at the receptor sites that it would have these these uh, uh, effects. Um, but among its many effects are uh, a slowing down of gastric emptying. So when you eat food, you fill up your stomach. Uh, it's sort of like a um, sort of like a, 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 a composting system where uh, composting is most efficient if you uh, do it all at once. And then you let it break down, and then you take it out, and you start the next batch. Uh, however, you can do it a little bit at a time. Just keep adding food into the composter, uh, and it'll be mostly digested when it's done. But it'll be a little bit less efficient that way. Um, so we tend to be most efficient with our meals by eating a big meal and then waiting. But uh, you can also just eat little meals all the time. If you do that, you're going to tend to feel kind of full and bloated all the time because your stomach can't quite get rid of the food as quickly because you have big chunks in it. Mm -hmm. uh, and so um, that is, is, is gastric emptying. If you, if you just literally keep putting food on top of food, eventually you'll get ill and start throwing up because there's nowhere to put the food. If people have damaged stomachs, they can only um, process food so quickly. And so they have to eat very small meals, you know, infrequently to allow the stomach to be, basically do gastric emptying. If you're taking Ozempic, you have very low gastric emptying. You don't empty your it stomach. It just doesn't sound good. So it just sits there and you're full all the time. And so the side effect this has is, is it causes you to throw up and it causes you to have diarrhea. Um, I think most people are aware of this. Is this, is this, I mean, does everyone get these side effects? Or is this one of these things that like a small number of people have these? I can't quite tell. It seems like a very large number of people have at least the nausea and consider it to be not a side effect, but the effect. Because they don't, they're not hungry. That's the whole point. They feel full. They feel nauseous. They're going to the bathroom all the time, but they're 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 losing weight. I don't like it. And 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 yeah, they're 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 getting rid of the fat. So yeah, I, I the metformin I think is much healthier for you in 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 some ways. Again, not that kind of doctor. Just to remind everyone, I'm not <laughs> <laughs> recommending things as a as well, as a medical sounds, doctor. Like but I'm just sounds, talking about how they work yeah, metabolically. It sounds very. It sounds completely different. They work completely different methods. Uh, they're targeting different different uh, targets. Um, and I, what I really like about what you're talking about with the metformin was that it, it actually increases your oxidative metabolism. So it's burning through things much more quickly. Well, it also sounds like it, it, it works. It would work very well with intermittent fasting that, that a couple of hours of ketosis combined with the effects of, 
metformin would kind of be multiplicative of of the beneficial. Yeah, I I don't. Effects. Depending on how long you do the fasting, you shouldn't be going into uh, a real acidosis. No, um, no, no. You it's, should it's, be, it's, but but you definitely should initiate fat burning. Right. That's the and whole it, point. Like an initial an initial right. ketosis for 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 one to four hours a day. I don't even know if it would technically be testable as true ketosis. Oh, really? Uh, well, true ketosis means you're starting to actually produce ketones in the urine mm. that would be measurable coming through, you know, your kidneys. Right. I, I don't think it lasts long enough for either a real change in pH in your blood or 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 a or a increase in ketones in the urine. But it is attacking it's, body fat. It's doing that. Right. It it it's it, it's starting the same it's starting the same metabolic process that would lead to ketosis. It's it's run through your glycogen reserves right. and it's starting to burn fat. When you start to burn fat, you have different metabolic byproducts, right. some of which are ketones. Right there, you go. Right, and and if the if the metformin helps in reducing the, the the fat in the liver, then when you are you would burn it faster. You you go what, faster towards. Yeah, it would it would yeah. it would increase the rate of fat so burn in the liver. It's and which is in this case, it's not. It's a it's a beneficial thing. It's yeah, a, yeah, 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 yeah. It's yeah, fascinating. Yeah. It's yeah. Really, it's fast. It's it's a it's a fascinating body hack. Yeah, and I, I really I really am interested in the way glucose is related to our overall sort of uh, evolutionary desire to become as fat as possible and that we've we've really um, evolved into creatures that absorb it and hold it better than than, than most others but in our mid-50s <laughs> we, we don't have an is, easy way of getting rid of this it. is not where we want to be it's not where we want to be and as a nation we are ridiculously overweight um, <laughs> it's kind of hard to believe. It's really the numbers, kind of hard. the numbers you said were. I had to look them up three times because. I, but I, I again the, the 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 way they're 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 grading this the, to, to I don't know that overweight is necessarily overweight. Is it? Is there an actual reduction in in life expectancy at the, what they're calling overweight? Like, On average, yes, but not for an individual. So on average, yes, because overweight usually means fat. But in some people, it could mean muscle or, you know, right. may or may not be good, depending. Right. We need a better way of, of, of reckoning this so we can get better so, information out um, of it for individuals. You know, Native Alaskan populations that eat almost only meat because there's no vegetables, um, you know, they, they get their vitamin C from uh, from whale blubber that has been uncooked and literally tastes sour. It's so it's it's, it's got so much vitamin C in it. Um <laughs> Yeah, yeah, like a norwal or a or a, a beluga. Um, they 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 have relatively high body fat, uh, very high BMI, and uh, their blood pressure is fine. Their triglycerides are fine uh, because they have tremendous amounts of exercise. So exercise is absolutely part of the uh, uh, part of the equation. Um, you can keep your 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 blood pressure way down by increasing the blood volume through your heart on a regular basis, which you do through exercise. Mm -hmm. uh, so many of these problems, the two sides of it are, are are glucose and exercise. Exercise burning the glucose. I wanted to talk one more aspect of glucose. Why it's so strange is its relationship to stress. So mm, um, yes, and so this is one of the reasons why I had to stop studying it in my shrimp because it was it was too weird for them. Um, in a crayfish or another crustacean, if you leave them out of the water, they're clearly upset and stressed. 
what starts happening is they start flooding their hemolymph, the equivalent of their blood, with glucose. And you can measure how stressed they are by the content of glucose in their blood. And it's considered a one-to-one -one relationship. If they're stressed, higher glucose. I think evolutionarily, we have done this to ourselves as well. We've, we've made it a two-step process. Wait, so are you saying you can make shrimp more delicious by stressing them out before you cook them? <laughs> Possibly. I'm not sure if you could actually taste the difference. It, we're, we're, we're talking about micrograms. Sounded like something that chefs could use. Anyway, it, it's, on, it's, sorry, it's microgram difference, but yeah, it's measurable and it's, and it's real. So I think, I think stress is sugar. I think sugar is stress and stress is sugar. And so that high uh, sugar levels are stressful on the body, stress causes high sugar levels. So when we talk about um, uh, uh, corticosteroids, those are actually glucocorticosteroids. They're derived from glucose molecules with the steroid part of it uh, sort of on the side. This is to signal, in my opinion, the ancient stress pathways related to blood sugar. What does a glucocorticosteroid do? It causes your blood sugar to go up. It fights against insulin. If you're stressed all the time, it's another pathway to type 2 diabetes. You become less sensitive to insulin. Mm. Uh, it causes your blood sugar to go up. It's going to cause all of these other things that are bad for you to happen that are related to high blood sugar. So you combine stress with all the other effects of sugar and, and you have a, a, a real one-two punch there and you can go directly into type 2 diabetes very, very quickly. Uh, so I, I think that um, it's not just that blood sugar going up is a response to stress, but in some ways your body is measuring your stress by your blood sugar. And so it is stress. Well, like you said, that too much stress is, is because, I'm sorry, like you said, too much sugar in the bloodstream becomes very quickly dangerous. We have a very, very yeah. narrow band that exactly. we have to exist within. So yeah, it, it's literally physical you stress. Said we're, we're monitoring this all the time. Yeah, yeah. So, th so, so it is stress itself. And so, you know, under normal conditions, you see a saber-toothed tiger, you want your blood sugar up there so you can get pumping into your muscles right away. You don't want to be, um, you don't want to uh, have insulin taking any and putting it into your, into your liver. But you know, in our day-to-day -day stress, now we, we're, we're, we're failing to store the blood sugar. It just keeps going round and round again. And then one, one last, last, last thing I want to mention is, uh, is sodas. So the high fructose corn syrup that we're drinking in our sodas. Um, normally you would say, oh, fructose, that's good for you. It's in fruit. It's got it right there, right there in the name. Uh, and it's somewhat true. You can't digest fructose as quickly as you can digest glucose. Therefore, the glycemic index of fructose is slightly lower. Slightly. Slightly lower. Uh, you don't get quite as fast a spike because you can't digest it as quickly. First, you have to metabolize it into glucose in the liver, and then you can take that glucose and, 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 and store it as, as glycogen. But what happens when you have... Uh, high circulating fructose, you can't get rid of that fructose. And so you are sitting there with the high triglycerides and the bad tri uh, cholesterol again. And so it's just going round and round until you've gotten rid of all your glucose. You're slowly turning it into glucose and it just keeps going round and round as you slowly metabolize it in the liver. Um, your, your liver is now going to be overwhelmed by the sugars you're encountering and start turning some into fat. Now you have less of a working liver because you've turned it into fat in your liver. So you don't have Fats uh, don't have liver cells to process uh, this, this sugar. So the more sodas you drink, 
the more is going to end more is going to end up uh, with high fructose uh, circulating. You end up with overall high blood sugar, and you're going to end up with hydroglycerides and the bad cholesterol just from drinking sodas. No zero cholesterol in the soda, zero fat in the soda, but it's all being basically signaling your body to increase your fat and cholesterol. So I wanted to end up with that happy note there. <laughs> that, that is, so so I have a I have a question, and I don't know if you're prepared to answer this, yeah. but soda and fries would but, be the worst. <laughs> so so I have read in the past, and I haven't been thinking about this for a while. But you're making me like never look at a milkshake the same way ever again, and think that I need to run from all sugar. But the question is, uh, uh, these sodas that are have no sugar in them, but they have sweeteners. I have read that sweeteners can still cause these responses even if they're not sugar. Okay, some of the responses, not others. They're right. not going to be nearly as bad for you in terms of overall metabolizing the liver, etc. But they will uh, feed your dopamine addictions because you'll still get the dopamine response mm -hmm. to the taste, the, the sweet taste. Mm -hmm. uh, and there will be um, some metabolic changes because uh, anytime you eat food, any food, your, your body responds to the food before you can digest it. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I drink coffee, I'm going to get more energy before that caffeine is actually giving me the energy. Mm -hmm. So we're always a little bit in front of whatever we put in our bodies. Mm -hmm. And so that sweetener is going to act a little bit like the sugar until your body figures out. I, it will, it, will it cause a glycemic spike? No, in any not, way? not in the it same way. Cause an insulin spike because the, the body thinks sweetness is coming for a moment. There might be a, 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 a brief moment, but generally most of the studies that are done on sugar compare it to these sweeteners. So that's consider that's the, mm. the placebo group is, a, is an artificial sweetener. Oh, it's not nothing. It's an artificial. So sweetener. you can't tell the difference. Right, Otherwise right, it's not right, a placebo. Right. right, right, right. Uh, I could actually tell the difference usually. Fascinating. Yeah. So, I mean, I guess overall lowering the amount of sugar taken in is, 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 is recommended, but specifically lowering Overall, sorry, overall lowering uh, uh, the amount of sugar taken in is called for. But additionally, uh, uh, being a, like if, if you sit down after a meal that you've had a very, very good meal and you were, had a healthy meal, but then you have a sugary dessert, you're saying that your body at that point stops digesting everything and only takes care of the sugar that you Correct. just put into you. Correct. And this is why we love dessert because it, it, it makes, it helps us feel full. The, the insulin tells you to stop eating, uh, and, and, and the, um, feeling of, of, of fullness in the belly goes along with that really well. Um, I didn't actually end up talking about the, uh, the, the hunger hormone ghrelin or the satisfied hormone leptin, but well, let's talk about that. Yeah. I, I, they're, 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 they're somewhat related, uh, but these are, these are the things that tell you when to eat and when to stop eating. Uh, ghrelin is directly related to insulin, but these, they're, they're working at different time scales. Leptin is actually made by fat in your body, so you should be less hungry the more leptin is being produced. Mm -hmm. um, but the problem is, is a, 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 once a fat cell has been made, it stops producing leptin, and so your leptin levels go down, and so you become hungry. Leptin tells you to stop being hungry, and fat produces it. But as soon as you stop feeding your fat cells, they just make more leptin. So once you've achieved a fat cell in your body, your body wants to never let go of it and you'll be hungrier because you now possess that fat cell. <laughs> oh God. I know, we're, it's, we're well, evil to ourselves. Evolution really has conspired to work against us in the modern era. It's amazing. Yeah, yeah. Fascinating, Josh, thank you so much. Until next time. Until next time.